from Andres Bergen, the acclaimed creator of the popular graphic novel Bullet Gal, comes the retelling of the classic Tristan and Isolde. Tristan Holt turns things on its head and places our heroes in a 70s pulp world. Queenie rules with an iron fist, and when two of her best men are killed, it's up to her niece Trista to find out what happened. Tristan Holt by Andres Bergen. Available online at If Comics. That's if question mark C-O-M-M-I-X. Issues also available at dollardownloads.com. You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, we have the writer of Rapid City Below Zero, who has a Kickstarter currently running until October 31st to uh, fund issue number four, Josh Dahl. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to have you back. So you just said you uh, got back from New York Comic Con. How was it? It was. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there, there. people did register some complaints. And to some degree, some people just love to complain. I, I don't give them much credence. It was awesome. It was big and fun and overwhelming. I feel like it's on the edge of being too big. You can't do everything you want to do. You, you just can't. It's not going to happen. But that said, everything you do get to do is a lot of fun. One day we'll get there. Okay, man, I can't imagine a con that you can't do everything that you want to do just because of the ones we've been here. You just Yeah. After the first hour, you're done pretty much. And, you're and imagine again. the amount of people at the New York con compared yeah. to the cons here in Ohio we've attended. Wow. See, my my convention experience is the exact opposite. And I've been telling people, like, even from the size of Boston con, whatever you thought you were going to do, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you're going to do something else. It's going to be a lot of fun. The thing you do might be similar to the thing you thought you were going to do. But... If you go into it with the thing in your mind, I'm going to meet that actor from Firefly, I will tell you, you are not going to meet that actor from Firefly. <laughs> Something else. Did you see that uh, Hulkbuster cosplay? I did not see that thing. Oh, my God. I saw it. No, I saw the video of it. I didn't see it in person. That thing was amazing. Yeah, it was. I haven't seen it. It's like nine foot tall. Are you serious? Yeah, it is. Like, cosplay is to the point where you're just visually experiencing being in front of a Hulkbuster armor. It's not like, oh, what a neat costume that someone made. It's, this is exactly <laughs> what it looks like to look at a Hulkbuster armor. Oh. They're showing him just walking through the con and everyone's just standing there with their eyes wide open and jaw on the floor. Just I'm like, going to have to oh look at this. God. How'd this guy even get around being that big? It, All these there, was a, and... there was a guy at the last Boston con and at the last... Uh, um, Granite State Comic Con up in New Hampshire. I think it's the same guy. I don't know. In one of these nine-foot robot suits. And the only experiential thing telling you it's not a nine-foot robot is the weight of it. Is you feel like if you were looking at a nine-foot robot walking toward you, you'd hear slam, slam, slam. Right. Other than that, it is visually exactly the same as seeing a giant robot walking towards you. I've got to look this up. This sounds incredible. Insane. I can't believe it. 
He won like best costume too. I mean, he had. To oh, have. of course, yeah. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. He didn't have to have. There could have been. There could have been well, better costumes. <laughs> it's crazy there. That's some crazy effort. Could have been a really good Deadpool there. <laughs> <laughs> In the sea of Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I I will say unpopular. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's getting annoying. The whole like. Deadpool in comics, there have been dead, good Deadpool comics. I, people love fine. But the whole Deadpool costume thing is at the point where it's getting annoying. Very. Mm-hmm. Very. There was another character that was turning up like that, and I can't think of who it was. Oh, is it Harley Quinn? Because I can tell oh, you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, okay, so as long as I'm going down this road, I'm fine with that because those cosplayers generally get creative. They either do a really good Deadpool and a really good Harley Quinn, or they do, like, Iron Man Deadpool or Boba Fett Deadpool or the cosplayers I can't stand anymore. And I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, cosplayers. (laughs) It's people who do the Joker. And they just... Because they just do... They're like, they always got to do a high-pitched laugh along with it, and it's so uncreative. Compared to all these really great, really creative, really awesome cosplayers out there doing things like I've never heard of that or some weird thing or some new spin on it when this person just goes I'm gonna dress like the Joker (laughs) there's just no creativity there's no content it's like it's like we should cover Freebird like yeah okay (laughs) let's play Stairway to Heaven yeah. Oh, oh my great. Lord. Yes, that, everyone will like that. Move on to the next thing. <laughs> right, right. I'm trying to think of the best cosplay I've seen. Well, yeah, well, I guess this last con we were at. Can you think of any that stood out? Mm, not this last time, I don't think. Uh, that Batgirl was pretty good. One, oh, yeah, she was really good. One that stands out for me that I didn't even see at a con was at a Renaissance festival was this guy who was walking around like he was a, I don't know, half-human, like maybe goat-legged kind of... I don't know if he was actually the devil or anything, but this dude was freaking tall, like seven feet tall anyway. And the way he had this apparatus on his Uh. legs, he was like walking on stilts, but he had to have been supporting his weight, like kind of like he was sitting on his shins Mm, in this thing. Because the the leg went back and then the hoof came out, you know? Yeah. Yes. It bends the opposite way than the human leg does. So (laughs) I gave it to this guy for walking around in this... Thighs of steel being able to walk around like that. Not to mention he was wearing like a ram skull with horns (laughs) on his head. And he had like contacts in. And the dude had not a shirt on. And it was like cold as hell. It was cold. (laughs) It was really cold. I was like, man, this dude is dedicated. Yeah, the, the cosplayers with the heat and the cold are pretty impressive. The people who are straight up naked or the people who are wearing like six layers of leather, that's impressive. I kind of want to go to a, a con again now all of a sudden. Yeah. I thought I was good for the year, but I want to go again. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You, we'll guys, better... you guys can get press passes. If you're, I, You guys can get press passes. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah, right. we do. Yep, makes it all that much better. It's like we're uh, rock stars for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> for the day. <laughs> We don't have to wait in this line. Press, press. All right. Let's get this <laughs> Until show. Until you get turned away, and that's really embarrassing when the person's like, oh, sorry, everybody in line. You're not VIP. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, we've got a good show for everyone today. Uh, we're going to be talking about original Nintendo games in this week's Retro Roundtable, and then we're going to uh, later be turning our attention over to Josh and talking about Rapid City Below Zero. So let's just get right into it with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! <laughs> All right, guys. Original Nintendo games. Any stand out for you? Either of you? About three or four. I've got quite a list. I really had to cut mine down. <laughs> uh, what about you, Josh? Oh, stand out in what way? Stand out as great? Stand out as... Either great, as horrible, stand out in any way to you. Um, when I think original Nintendo games, I think uh, Legend of Zelda. Oh, yeah. And I think of how every time I played it, I would get to a certain board or a level where I couldn't get through it. I remember there were the, these ones with these, uh, like, night guys who had armor that you had to hit in a specific way. Mm. And I would give the controller to my brother and be like, can you get me past this? And he would just play the, just start playing. Just <laughs> You I lost your turn now. Your turn is over. <laughs> I believe, I think I did eventually beat Zelda, but that was largely my experience of it, was playing until it was hard and then <laughs> not being able to play anymore. Well, I tell you what, the, the uh, games that are like on Wii, I know I'm a console behind on Nintendo's uh, side, but we were just the other day playing the Donkey Kong Country for Wii, and as hard as those games seemed then, yeah. this game is impossible. Yeah. I mean, we have we spend a whole night beating one board. Like it is insanely My. hard. Yeah, we're like not even halfway through the game. <laughs> it's bad. But a lot of those old games are really hard now. We've gotten they've gotten too easy anymore. Where it's mostly just movies, pretty much. Not 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 yeah. these. <laughs> yeah. I never. I don't. I can't play hard games. I don't have the patience for it. Yeah, like... Okay, um, I'm okay. sorry to interrupt. I'm going to go ahead and blow up your minds on this one. Okay. It's for hard games and talking about classic Nintendo. <sighs> okay, I'm going to say this out loud. <laughs> I, as a human adult, have never beaten level two on Super Mario Brothers. What? <laughs> I don't know if I really have either, because... I, I since I didn't have Nintendo, I didn't get to play all the time. I always played with friends and stuff. Yep. And I've never, I've always straight to warps every time. Wow. Well, uh -huh. Yeah. I've never experienced the whole levels. It's always been warp, warp, warp. I had to find many different challenges with the Mario game when I first got it because for the longest time it was the only game I had, and not my, uh -huh. you know, my parents weren't going to go out and just buy me another game. Mm -hmm. So I would do time trials, see how fast I could beat the game and that's when I used the warps but then I'd try to do it without I don't was there something what was about level two that was made it unbeatable that was the underground one yeah it was the underground one and it so you're took talking me... like world one dash two like the second yeah I don't I even know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it was just as soon as it gets hard to do it edges over into not fun yeah and uh that's my signal stop playing. <laughs> it's, it's still the same way with Nintendo for me. You know, like Call of Duty and games like that, they're they're hard, but they're manageable. You can come up with different strategies and stuff. Yeah. Where yes. You're pretty limited to what you can do in a side-scroller game. I don't know. You can jump, go left and right, maybe dock dependent. Right, yeah. right. I know one game that I hated that was a real big deal always 
being the sports game too, which I wasn't always a big fan of, was a uh, Tech Mobile. Oh yeah, oh, Tech Mobile. My God, Tech Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> it had been for I've never played it, and then somehow I got a the cartridge from somewhere I don't even know where it was someone gave it to me or something and I played it and I'm like this is stupid it's so easy <laughs> you win every time like right. really well win <laughs> like, wow no I don't think I've ever played that one I remember I, the, yeah I played Tecmo I remember that being popular though I just never played it just I was never big into sports, but just sit there before you snap the ball, and it would just. Oh yeah, you could pick your formation, right? You would go to the sub screen and pick how you want. Okay, that is pretty much ninety percent of my understanding of football. Yeah. You just snap the ball and then run around the whole everybody and just keep running because everyone would just pile on each other, and then you could run to the end. Then you can run all the way back and not even make a touchdown. And then run back again. It was it was so easy. It was dumb. So stupid. <laughs> Look, Ma, I'm playing football. <laughs> but that was at least they, they didn't let you control the ball, right? That was Atari games. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so at yeah. least Atari, you could make the the ball swing around and stuff. What? Yeah. Depending on the games. Huh. Like ColecoVision and stuff like that. You had the little disc that you push down, and the right. ball would go, and you could swing it left or right or. Holy cow, I didn't know that. Yeah. One game, I think I've told you, that sticks out for me. Maybe uh, I don't know if you've heard of this one, Josh. Maniac Mansion? Maniac I Mansion. I never played that, though. Oh, that was a little bit more like a... I, I think of that as sort of a text-based computer game, right? It's, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. I guess it was, but it's still... I don't know. I, it came out at it when I was at a pretty young age, and it frightened the shit out of me. I, it didn't keep me from playing it, but this game was... You, you played a group of teenagers that the game starts, you're all standing outside of a... kind of like an Adams Family-looking mansion. Okay. And the story starts with one of your members being stuck inside the house, being held captive in the basement. And so you... It's it's like a bunch of puzzle solving. You have to take these teenagers into the house one at a time and have them each play a role in finding where your friend is and then after finding where they are, getting them out. Yeah. And, um, like you said, you your character's on screen and you control like a mouse clicker and you just click where you want them to go. So, yeah, it's just a point-and-click kind of game, but you had to click every little item in the room to see if you could interact with it and find keys, check under rugs. Oh, um, yeah. I used to like those kind of games. Yeah, and, like, even in a uh, one level, there was a wall of bricks behind you. Like, you had to go through and run your cursor over every one of those bricks because <laughs> it turned out one of those bricks you could push and it would open a secret door to get to your friend. But the what made this game uh, freaky was the fact that the ghost ghoul family that lived in that house was there and like it was during the night so you'll just be walking through a room looking through stuff and all of a sudden it'll cut screen over to say the father ghoul like getting out of bed like I'm going down to the kitchen to get me a snack or something so then it cuts back to you you have to figure out where you're going to go you know you can hide in the closet and you have to do it quick so you don't cross Hmm. paths with him and if he catches you then you're in the dungeon so you have to get your friends out before you run out of teenagers, I guess. <laughs> wow. Those are your lives, children. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun game. Yeah, I, I, I have Googled it, and I'm looking at images from it, and it's, uh, I, I get you. I think this would have scared me as a kid. <laughs> yeah, now, no. I mean, we're, we're so desensitized. 
<laughs> but at the time, yes, it, it uh, got my adrenaline going. My all-time favorites is, uh, even though I never made it very far because it was so hard, was uh, Battletoads. Oh, my God. Isn't Good that point. funny? I have the exact same experience. So hard. But no matter how hard that game was, you just kept going back. The yeah. music was awesome. <laughs> yep. The characters were awesome. Yep. Even when you hit pause, the music, I'll put it right here. That music was awesome. <laughs> there was always, because you could play multiplayer too. And there was always, yes. I think it was probably the second board, there was a jump that you had to make. And there was always one person that would never, ever, oh, ever like make the, it. Oh, like the glider <laughs> thing the, where you were like jet skiing over. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Volcano. That was the hardest. I don't think I ever passed that part. That was tough. Yeah. That was tough. And then there's the part where you're repelling down the ropes, down that pit, and mm -hmm. bats and stuff keep flying out at you. <laughs> it was just like the turtle fighting games just trying to be better. Like yep. when they would punch real hard and their fists would grow like three times. Well, they'd headbutt and they'd get like ram horns that came out. Yeah, of yeah. foot would have like big spikes on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were fun. And they almost expected them to cross paths with the Ninja Turtles at some yeah. point during, you know, that in that point in time, how popular they both were. I was going to say, I think it, it was high point of the Turtles back then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Turtles, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh, game. Oh, yeah. I, the side-scroller one. Did you ever play that one, Josh? I played a uh, Ninja Turtles game in the arcade. Ooh, now that's a classic. Stand-up. Yeah. I remember that one. And I remember uh, my friend Micah, oh, who is actually uh, my cover colorist on Rapid City, blowing my mind by telling me that the song and the sound effects are on a CD inside the machine. And I was like, wait, there's like a what? CD player inside the video game for some reason that was like that was mind-blowing to me is that, is that right it must be because it wasn't it wasn't uh i mean it was the song you could hear the lyrics it was it wasn't just video game beeps it was the full-on song huh. yeah and, and it whether or not like... it's true just the fact that for some reason that idea mystified me there could be a cd inside this machine <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember that, because when that game would sit idle for a minute, like if you were walking through the store and that game was sitting idle out of nowhere, blast. it yep. would blast in that yep. music. Wow, and the Simpson game did that, too. I guess they all probably did that. But. <laughs> like the wow. X-Men 1. Oh, yeah, that thing was loud. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. They are the X-Men. I yeah. love that game. <laughs> man, the, the, the Turtle game you're talking about, though, the first NES one, is one of those games that was so hard and I put so many hours into <laughs> and never got past what the second level but I kept playing all the time and I remember like for some reason Sundays I would dedicate to that game like trying to get as far as I could and <laughs> years later watching the angry video game nerd he pointed oh I know what you're talking about <laughs> something out to me that is the reason I was never able to beat that was in oh no what is it the dam level, there's this... You have to go up all these levels through the dam to get to the top of the dam. Yeah. And I spent all my lives and time climbing up there because right as you get to the top, there's a little spot where there's a, there's a hole. And it looks like you're supposed to jump over it. Well, no matter how you jump over it, you always fall down through. Mm -hmm. So every time I spend all that time killing my hurdles <laughs> off, getting back up there time and time again, thinking, I've got it this time. 
while Angry Video Game Nerd points out, you don't have to jump. You just walk right it's over. It's like a glitch. You can walk straight over the hole. <laughs> it oh, made, no. Uh, I know. All those wasted hours, those lost years, just, it's gone. My, uh, a couple friends of mine and I spent all summer, and we got to the Technodrome. Could not beat it. Mm. It was like the, the last life every time, and we'd Ugh. kill us. We had no idea what to do. Well, yeah, you you couldn't save games. You, no. you had to do that yep. all in one sit. Yep. I mean, yep. oh, my sister's thing used to be she would sit in the background and watch me play Mario or something, and when I'd be at the final castle, she'd run up and pull on the cord <laughs> <laughs> to where the console would fall onto the reset button. Uh. Did that to me three days in a row once. <laughs> Uh, another classic for me was DuckTales. Did you ever play that one? No. Nah. What about no, you, Josh? I played that. No. It's a side-scroller, but uh, it was a great game. Uh, so you take Uncle Scrooge and he bounces around on his cane? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd collect, like, gems and little ice creams and stuff throughout the way. But you have, like, uh, four or five different levels you can go to, and they remade it. It's on iOS now. I think it's, like, 10 bucks. But they put all new graphics over it, and I've played it through, like, two or three times it's such a fun <laughs> game i would i really wish they do that with more nintendo games just bring them back even if in their original form put them on like ios it'll look awesome on that little screen yeah and i i always kind of was driven away from playing games on the phone that where you have buttons on the screen mm-hmm. just because yeah. with my thumbs in the way you can't see anything Especially controlling, because your thumb ends up going in the middle of the screen. Yeah, (laughs) but the iPhone 6 and that game, I mean, easy, easy controls. It was never an issue. It was a blast. There's a game that I beat. I don't know how many times. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 2. Oh, Ninja Gaiden. I was just thinking. I was just looking at Ninja Gaiden. The opening movie sequence Mm -hmm. where the dudes leap at each other. Yeah. I don't even know if I ever played the game. I think I just watched (laughs) that part. Well, that was the from the first one. Yes, I only played the first one a little bit. It was, it was, it was kind of from playing the second one. That was my first experience with it and beating it so many times. I played the first one, and it was like going back because like you could jump and hook onto the walls, mm-hmm. but the second one you could just crawl up the wall. Oh right! The first one you could jump and you'd grab onto it, but then you had like jump away and then back onto it. And right. It was, yep. Yeah, that was too hard. So I was like, nope, I'm not playing this one. I'll just, <laughs> let's keep replaying the good one. Yeah. Man, Ninja Gaiden was fun. What about uh, Contra? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. Contra. It's like the uh, male testosterone on the <laughs> NES right there. That and, like, Double Dragon. and. Uh... I remember uh, Contra. I was so embarrassed. Um, I, was, I had a friend over who knew the code, and he put in the code, and we were playing it. And I died so many times, I used up his lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because you could steal from your friend's yeah. lives if you right. didn't know. And he just stated that like a fact. Like near the end, he's like, oh no, Josh is up on my lives. I was like, oh man. <laughs> what was the deal you were, like, the story to Contra? You were on an island that was had aliens or something on it, and you were. I don't even remember. So I just remember, like, at the end, you had gun. to take out that big, like, tentacle claw thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember the story. It's such a fun game. No, I think you do remember the story pretty accurately. I think that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> When they oh, die, man. it would just be like, Bow. yeah. And there was like always those like uh, those red ball looking things you had to shoot at, mm-hmm. like yep. globe looking things. Such a fun game. Laser gun was good. It was strong, but it sucked because you had to let the beam carry across the screen. <laughs> yep. Oh, or else yeah. it would just sit there in front of you, and you wouldn't go anywhere. The spread gun was the best though. Boy, I don't remember that. 
It's been so long. <laughs> Boy, that, some fun games. I wish I had a working Nintendo. I, I need to probably look into getting one, but I know there's emulators and stuff. It's just not the same. No, it's not. No. All right. I think we're good on uh, talking about old Nintendo games. So I guess with that, let's just move right into talking about some comics. Excellent. Oh, well, Josh, being our guest, would you like to go first this week? Oh, you know what? I can't. I didn't read anything this week. I skipped my <laughs> weekly trip to the store. <laughs> That's all right. I, do you have anything? No, I can't. I don't want to. I'll butcher that book. Just all right. The, the projects we got going for the show, I wasn't able to. Well, I'm the one show and teller this week, I suppose. So I'll just get this out really quick. I've been uh, saying in the last two or three uh, episodes that... I've been meaning to get into reading a Valiant book, wanting yes. to check out the Valiant universe. And uh, again, I'll, I'll mention it but for like the hundredth time as we went to that Tricon and we got a ton of comic books, five for a dollar. And I picked up Bloodshot number one. He seems to be like one of the most popular of the Valiant universe, mm. I guess. That I, that That's I'm, the Jeff Lemire Bloodshot? No, uh, written by Kevin Van Hook and inker Bob Wylick, penciler Don Perlin, and colorist is Jade Mullen. Okay, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. But it's, yeah, like the front has like a holographic kind of uh, shiny card on it. The cover's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And I'm surprised how good a condition this book is in for just being loose in a box, you know? and sort through but mm-hmm. uh you guys if you don't know who i'm talking about you probably know who this guy is he looks like he has a flat top but he's mm-hmm. he's all white and he has a big red circle on his chest and i always uh just figured he was kind of like a vampire kind of figure and it's really not the case at all it, what i found out is he's kind of like a uh I, I would compare it to wolverine and like the weapon x project like there's a guy who has I guess they're these nanites, this computer... Oh, this is so hard to explain. Right. Computer nanite stuff that bonds to your blood cells mm. that gives you this unheard of strength and ability to, like, you can, he can go up to a computer and touch it and communicate with it and get it to do what he wants to do just by touching it. Okay. But uh, he's on the run, and the guy who's created him, you know, they lost him on the day he was created. The day he was created, some young boy bust into the lab. They haven't explained who he is yet or what his purpose was, but and he did something to what they referred to as the project that has him wake up out of his coma he's supposed to be in while they do whatever procedures to him he's they're supposed to be doing. Goes crazy tears out of the place, hasn't been seen for months until he starts uh, like stopping these terrorists on the street, making his presence known again. That's it in a nutshell, pretty much. Uh, not at all what I expected. Not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Has uh, nanites, kind of computerized chips or something in his blood cells. Any reason for the circle on his chest? Not that I saw, no. Not that it's been let up yet. That uh, cover's crazy. Because it, some of the other uh, people, other projects, other people he experimented on didn't seem to have that on them. Hmm. I don't know in that, that Valiant book that I read, that trade I read a couple weeks ago. I don't think he was in He might have been in it. Well, the book of death I picked up, I there's a spread uh, maybe three or four pages in on that book that has all the Valiant heroes like in a movie poster kind of lineup, mm-hmm. you know, and he's in there. So that's kind of what spurred me to pick this up, but... Anyway, it was really good. And I, I love the... Uh, this came out in, what, 92, maybe? Because there's a ad in here for Aladdin coming <laughs> to your local uh, movie theater. The original Game Boy Star Wars game is coming out, oh. it looks like. 
And a uh, speaking of regular regular Nintendo games, there's a Spider-Man game on here that they're advertising. Which one is it? Uh, Return of the Sinister Six. So yeah, very dated. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, this uh, the '92 Bloodshot. I got that when it came out. Did you really? Yeah, that was. I remember that was the big deal. That it was that chromium cover. It was the first comic with a chromium cover. Yeah, it looks awesome. I, I don't have anything like it. And is that like chrome image actually on the cover, or is it the kind where you can grab the corner and peel it off? You could peel it off if you wanted to. Awesome. Is that good? No, I no, no, that's terrible. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's also a, a poster in the middle of this that hasn't been taken out and looks to be in great condition, too. It's just, yeah, this was just like in a pile of stuff that people have just been rooting through. Look at the corners. They're perfect. It yeah, just amazes are. me. It's like a miracle. Something has protected this that comic until it, it made so it rigid. To I think that's yeah. part of the reason why, too. So, yeah, Bloodshot number one. Valiant turned out to be okay. I know. I'm anxious that maybe next it. week I'll do Book of Death. Or maybe that'll be getting a little too serious too quick. Maybe I need to research some other characters <laughs> first. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's just move right into Real World Heroes. Jack, who do we have this week? We're doing an, a real hero this time. Like hey. someone that dresses up type of real hero. Okay. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, this week we have Zijing Woman, a.k.a. the Chinese Redwood, Redbud Woman from China. Really? Say what? Yeah. Okay. The Chinese Redwood, Redbud Woman has appeared in Beijing and Hong Kong looking hot. I'll show you. I'll put it. Well, yeah, I'll show you the picture of what she looks like. Pretty much, she goes around Hong Kong, Beijing, hands out food, cash, and clothes to poor people oh. living on the streets and stuff. Okay, I thought you were building it up like uh, she's elusive. No one knows who she is, or that she just like has nobody been knows who she is. Yeah, yeah, she's nobody knows who she is. She wears, she does have a mask on. This blue mask is this the one I, I've googled it? Uh, I'm gonna have to pull it up real quick. I just typed in Chinese red bud woman. I didn't know how to yeah. spell Xi Jing or whatever you said. <laughs> Looks like she's got a Facebook. That's how I came across. Well, it was like a list of 10 people. Holy cow. Yeah. Wowzers. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We're recording a show, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Damn, girl. Female superhero Chinese redbud woman appears in Beijing, assists the poor and needy. She handed out food and cash to some Hong Kong residents. And she's gorgeous. Yeah, I guess she's... Most known for her appearance on Christmas Eve in 2012 where she handed out clothes, gifts, and food to beggars by a subway station in Beijing. Really? She always takes her time to stop and talk to homeless people and while while handing out food, and she's gotten a lot of media attention, of course. I wonder if she uh, has any like combat training, like just in case. I mean, looking the way she does, going down in the slums <laughs> and talking to some homeless people can't be the safest thing to be doing. She had an interview where they were asking if she did it just for publicity, and she just said, I wanted to help people who are in need. And to do it in style. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's terrific. Good and for her. And for that Chinese red bud woman, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. So keep helping out those homeless people. And, you know, I mean, on top of getting some food or a little bit of money, they're getting a show, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
That'll bring up anyone uh, who's down, down and out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Red Blood Woman's coming. The Red Blood Woman's coming. <laughs> a bunch right. of people see her and they just run to sit down. And <laughs> oh, I'm homeless too. Make their clothes look all shabby. <laughs> Rip your shirt quick. Hurry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's just turn our attention over to Josh Dahl and talk about Rapid City Below Zero, Issue 4. Thanks again for being with us, Josh. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. And it's uh, it's been a little while since you've been on the episode, but uh, yeah, we got to check out uh, Issue 1, written by yourself and artist Sean Langley, which yep. is a reoccurring name in the genre. I tell you what, we keep hearing that name more and more. The Hobbit. <laughs> the Hobbit. Yeah, he, doesn't he refer to himself as a Hobbit? He refers to himself as a Hobbit. Okay. Yes. Oh, I didn't I catch that. It, yeah, I see it on uh, what Facebook and Twitter and stuff all over Instagram. All right. The time. Yeah. It's not <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> not by the way the pictures I've seen. Yeah. So we got to check out issue one, and it's pretty much the story is about criminals, correct? That are yes. have broken out of their, uh, I guess, their prison, their jail, they're in, and they're out to seek revenge. Yeah, uh, there's a, a heist goes wrong in the first issue. The criminal crew is betrayed by their nominal boss, Coil. They're all murdered except for two, and Icicle, the main character, sets out to get revenge. And speaking of uh, cute characters, mm. <laughs> I thought Icicle was kind of cute. I, I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> so I have to say, in uh, one of the things I noticed in writing her, one of the things I was kind of proud of, I got through uh, issue 12. In issue 12, uh, I'll spoil that much. Icicle survives that long. But um, in issue 12, a bus driver refers to her and says, oh, a pretty thing like you. And I realized 12 issues in, that was the first time I had made reference to her appearance. So (laughs) if you're uh, – don't expect a lot of uh, like uh, sexy seduction or – getting by on her cute looks or anything like that. It's um, it's all violence and brutality. Yeah, we love violence and brutality. <laughs> oh, good. So when we first checked in with them, they were just, the story was just kicking off. What can people expect from issue four? Issue four is uh, the, the first five issues are the book called The Descent. And issue four leads her to the place where she makes the decision that leads her out of it. That leads her to the next worst thing that's going to happen to her. Now, your Kickstarter has, like, looks like it's really taken off. You're, what, maybe $900 away from your goal, and you still have 19 days to go? Yeah, it feels that way, yeah. Yeah, so looking very positive. Well, yeah, I'm trying to ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of uh, rewards do you have on your Kickstarter for supporters? The reward that I threw up there is a joke that I thought no one would take but that would just be sort of funny. I have, instead of a thank you page, at the $2 level, I have the cool list. And anyone who gets on there, just it, it's just a list of names, and it's called the cool list. So then at $15, I have, uh, I'll just actually read the text to you. It says, um, yeah, forget that other list. This is the real one. Get your name added to the actual cool list. <laughs> <laughs> And along with that, you also get um, a PDF of issue one sent to you right away. So you don't have to wait for the, the you don't have to wait for it to fund. You just get it. Oh, nice. And they haven't been selling quite like hotcakes, but uh, yeah, I, I have, a, there's only 20 slots. So it's exclusive to get on the actual cool list, but 11 of them have already gone. Wow. And you still have 19 days to go. So a lot can yes. happen. Other than that, most of it is, uh, most of the rewards are comics either digitally or on paper. 
The other special rewards are, the big one that I think is special is everyone who contributes gets to become a member of the Rapid City exclusive studio, which means it's a Facebook group that I have in which, I might have mentioned this to you guys last time, Sean and I actually do our collaboration there online. So when Sean sketches out a page, he doesn't email it to me. He just posts it on Facebook in this group. And so if it looks great, I'm like, oh, Sean, that part looks great. If it doesn't look great, we hash out the pages right there in front of everyone. If he misunderstands part of the script, I have to explain it to him right there in front of everyone. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The studio for issue number four is all exclusive, only for members. So not only do you get to watch that happen, but if you contributed, you're not just sitting there thinking, hey, I wonder when they're going to make that comic. You can log on and see, oh, two more panels got drawn today. That's it's that much closer to getting you're mailed to my house. You're kidding. That is incredible. See the process in as it happens. Uh, not, just, not just checking in on the process, not just updates. Actually... If you are quicker than me, you can see pages before I see them. <laughs> wow, that is really cool. You can get on it, get in on it right now, fellas. <laughs> hey, hey, we might just have to do that. That's incredible. Which watch was watch your comic be made. Which I one? also have um, graduated levels of pricing for the same item. So Sean agreed to do, say, 10 sketches. So the first two I had at $5. No, the first one is at $5, and then at 10 and then, and they go up. So they're the exact same item, but it rewards people who jump on early. If you jump in early, you can get something that you would normally pay $80 for, for just $10. Oh, I see. Now, most of the lower ones are gone, but I have the same pricing structure on the original pages. So if you want the actual pages from issue four, you can get them for $100 once those sell out, $150 once those sell out, $200, and so on. One thing I want to point out to the listeners here that you probably don't know is that, Josh, you are a, what was it, a teacher? Or, like, you work yes. at a correctional school for actual criminals. Yes. So who better to be writing a book about uh, the criminal mind than someone who works with criminals on a daily basis? <laughs> uh, I actually have a, a pretty good group of kids right now. We're doing a writing program, and... It's really fun to be able to get the kids to write. I had a kid who was writing a, a sort of a Thor versus demons kind of story. Really? It, like they, they write comic stories or just stories in general? Or um, I haven't yet been able to coax someone through the like complicated process of actually making a comic. I see. But when they see that I make comics, it loosens up a little bit of their creativity sometimes. So I, so I can get some pretty interesting stuff out of them sometimes. It's pretty interesting, interesting stuff all the time. Sometimes it's interesting comic-related <laughs> stuff. You should save all that stuff that, uh, throughout the years and put a book out or something. That'd be cool. I think that would be illegal. With their permission? Um, we'll just try. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't trust any... Yeah, someone, someone would... You're dealing with not only crime, but the law and because I work for an agency uh, like corporate structure. So you've got Massachusetts legal system, the Boston street crime system and corporate structure on one side. I I, I don't think I'm going to go in there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think that through. Did I? (laughs) Bad idea. It was a thought. All right. (laughs) So you going to be making any con appearances anytime soon? 
I will be at, there's a Northeast Comic Con coming up in December. I'm going to be there with a, a creative comics group up here called uh, Bad Kids Press, with whom I uh, uh, work to make some comics here and there. Uh, we'll be there. I'm trying to get to C2E2 in Chicago. Ooh, nice. Uh, my uh, letterer and production guy, uh, Kyle Kaminsky, is going to have a table there. And he's a dude who I went to middle school with and made comics with in high school and in college. No kidding. And so to the table next to Kyle and our other like high school friends would be in Chicago. That would be a fan, that would be like a dream come true. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to work on getting to Chicago. That sounds like a blast. That would be so much fun. So you guys should come on up. Maybe I will. My sister just moved over that way. It'd be cool to go over there and see her and maybe pop up there. It's a nice town. It's a great that's, town. That's what I hear. Windy. Yeah. Windy. Yes. Good pizza. Good pizza and yeah. windy. Yep. yep. Good pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, hey, man, we really want to thank you for being on with us today. And uh, remind everyone, you can go to belowzerocomic.com and check out Rapid City Below Zero. And don't forget to go to Kickstarter and support issue number four running until October 31st. Thanks yes, so much. Please Josh. actually go to Kickstarter right now. Kickstarter, search Rapid City Below Zero. Just give a dollar if you want. Just please go there and do it. Yes, please do it. It's a great book. Look at look at it. Read it. Come on. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll, we've got the uh, links on our website, too. So if yep. you're having trouble finding it, just jump on our website. The link will shoot you right over there. Jack, what else do we have on the website? We have a, a show blog where you can find out what was going on each episode. Ah, some videos from our YouTube page. Some photos. The Wall of Heroes and the Candair comic book from last year, Cincinnati Comic Expo. Yeah, it's not coming anytime soon nope. for this year. Nope. So the projects we got going this <laughs> no. year. Yeah, we've got two things big <laughs> happening now. So maybe around Christmas. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Candair Pod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And you can find us on YouTube now. We'll have tons of videos on there, unboxing videos, and uh, the GI Joe PSA. So check those out. Subscribe. Also, get on iTunes. Give us some ratings and uh, reviews. Please, it would help us so much. We'll, we'll pay you a dollar if you do. Come on, we're, we're desperate. <laughs> uh, what else? Well, I feel like I'm forgetting something. No, that's it. Just leave a that's comment it. somewhere. Let us hear from you. Yeah, we desperately want to hear from our listeners. So, yes, please, leave us comments, reviews, whatever you want. I think there's a place on the website you can leave some comments. Yep. So, uh, yeah, please do so. And until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Josh Dahl. We'll see you next time. Everybody head for the hills. The demon boredom is coming this way. Run! Run! Oh my god! Hey everybody, what's all the commotion? The demon known as boredom is coming this way, pillaging the land. Run, young one, run! I'm not scared. I've got the power of Canned Air Podcast on my side. At CannedAirPodcast.com, you can get the scoop on new episodes, watch movie trailers, and go to the Canned Air Video Game Store, Comic Book Store, and Movie Store. You're crazy, kid. I'm out of here. <laughs> you will all suffer the wrath of my boredom. Let me just pull up CandairPodcast.com on my mobile device and eat this boredom. <laughs> he saved us. 
The boy saved us! Yay! Yay! Thanks to you, we'll never be bored again! Don't thank me, thank CandairPodcast.com. Are you guys in traffic? <laughs> no, it's outside. The- no, there's some. Somebody said, "Get the fucking truck out of the way." <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you heard it that well. <laughs> imagine, These condenser mics—they pick up everything. I'm imagining you guys do the podcast in the bed of a pickup truck. <laughs> we don't have a house. <laughs> I don't have a parking. I wish we had the bed of a pickup truck. (laughs) The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. 